It is 11.30 on a Friday, and uh, we get to get ready for our midday program. Scott Foster here with you. A little bit of moisture working its way through central Nebraska, northern Kansas. Uh, Right now we've got a little bit of drizzle. The concrete is wet here in uh, Lexington. That's about as far as it's gone. It is good to be here on a Friday, although the Fridays are a little bit different now that we are where we are. Scott Foster, that's me here, along with Bob Brogan, Jason Jorgensen, and Susan Littlefield as we get things going on this Friday and take a look at some of the stories that we will be following. Let's start it off with Susan Littlefield, first of all. Thanks, Scott. Here's a look at what's happening from the farm team on this rainy Friday. We'll kick it all off. Speaking of weather with Al Dutcher as he runs through what is going to be happening in the week ahead. 1245, Alex will have Cody Spurl on and on a mission to travel to every single town in Nebraska. So far, he has visited 392 communities and he's documented his journey on Cody's adventurous travel of Nebraska towns. You can find that, by the way, on Facebook. And I'll wrap up everything at 117 as we look at range and pasture care for the spring. That's the happenings on a Friday from the farm team. All right. Thank you very much, Susan. Well, for Jason, it's good news that we finally had uh, some sports to talk about as the draft took place last night. First three players uh, were at one point on Ohio State's football team in 2017. So, uh, Good day for the Buckeyes as the first three teams, or first three players go there. Let's check in with Jason for more. Well, coming up in sports, we'll talk about the NFL draft. Uh, give the folks at ESPN and the NFL Network and the NFL some kudos for pulling off the first round last night without, without a whole lot of technical glitches. Round two is slated for tonight. Of course, it was a huge night for the SEC. Fifteen players from that league were selected in the first round of the draft. Also, a former Nebraska All-Stater, Fallon Studheit, who was a member of the Nebraska Volleyball Squad. Well, she redshirted last year for the Huskers, and now she is headed to UNK to be a loper. We'll tell you more about that. And the Tri-City Storm's Mitchell Miller was named to the All-USHL First Team yesterday. Uh, he's draft eligible. There's a good chance he could be selected later on this summer. So all of that and much more is coming up in sports. All right, thanks a lot, Jason. Big get there for for UNK, that's for sure. And now uh, we turn it over to Bob Broken and Stocks. Um, you know, we uh, we kind of were murky a little bit, but uh, now they're everybody's green. First time we've said that for a little while, anyway. Right, stocks are uh, kind of holding their own and trading on Wall Street as the uh, market is wrapping up a tumultuous week, with the major indexes all slightly higher. The bond market was quiet while crude prices climbed again. The calm opening to trading in U.S. markets belies what's been a wild week. From Monday's astonishing plummet for the oil market to yesterday's sudden disappearance of a morning rally, markets have pinballed as the mood swung from fear to hope and back again amid the coronavirus pandemic. Also, uh, President Donald Trump is going to hold a signing ceremony today for a bill providing a nearly $500 billion infusion of coronavirus spending. And one out of every four American adults says that someone in their household has lost a job to the coronavirus pandemic, but the vast majority expect those former jobs will return once the crisis passes. Those are 
some of the stories we're watching. And that's all coming up on mid When bad weather happens, you can rely on KRVM. We are your home for up-to-the-minute coverage of flooding. And a flooded south part of Kearney. Doesn't look like any of these roads are going to open anytime soon. Tornadoes. Three tornado warnings that are in effect right now, and two of them until 745. This storm that has spawned these tornadoes has now grown. And severe weather impacting our listing area. The southern part of this tornadic thunderstorm could be moving back through the Farnham area in the next few minutes as well. We will be there to alert you to any significant weather events and we can take you to the scene with our reporters for in-moment experiences. Where we have the drone right now, we're facing to the south looking at Interstate 80 and literally right off as you head north into Kearney. This is why they have the interstate shut down. Water's over the road, so they don't want folks driving through that, obviously. With our social media pages, you can find photos, videos, and interviews in real time. Check out krvn.com for podcasts, interviews, and news stories. 880-KRVN. We are who you rely on when bad weather happens. Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer. And we are here with Paul Perkins once again. Little Some showers uh, kind of floating around the area a little bit. Yes, exactly. Uh, this activity moving off towards the east and southeast. Most of central Nebraska and Kansas seeing at least some rain currently. Some of it over southwest Nebraska and northwest Kansas. A very scattered activity from about McCook and Overland towards the northeast Colorado area. But the bulk of it, some heavy, uh, some moderate stuff at least falling from about York to Grand Island to near the Kearney area and also over central Kansas just to the southeast of Phillipsburg. Otherwise, some light amounts. Most of this rain along and southeast of a line from about Ord to Lexington and McCook gradually will be dying down, but we will see maybe a little more activity move in from the west because we do have some scattered showers on each of the southern Nebraska panhandle starting to show up now. I'll be curious to see how much Grand Island ends up getting because uh, it's been kind of sitting over them for a while. Exactly. We've already had some listener rain, rainfall totals of right around a third of an inch mm-hmm. in portions mm-hmm. of central Nebraska. Otherwise, the temperature's not too bad, mostly in the Upper 40s to low 50s across central and western areas, but we do have temperatures more so in the upper 50s to the low 60s as you head towards eastern Nebraska and much of eastern Kansas also. On the backside of some low pressure today, scattered rain and some thunderstorms do remain possible, mainly those rain chances moving into the east as the afternoon goes on. Any rain amounts not going to be awfully great in the many areas, but we could see some localized amounts of around a third to a half an inch of rain. As this area of low pressure moves farther east tonight, rain chances will decrease with some clearing skies. Still could see some light rain or sprinkles this evening. Sunshine returns for tomorrow with seasonal temperatures as high pressure builds in from the west. Afternoon heating and some weak disturbances could help to develop some light rain or sprinkles towards the central and east. With the building ridge of high pressure over the Rockies, a sustained warm trend with mainly dry weather begins for Sunday. That looks to last through at least Thursday. Most daytime highs next week, about 10 degrees warmer than average. The peak of the heating on Monday when highs top out in the 80s, about 15 degrees warmer than usual. With the warmer and drier weather, also watching some fire concerns that will most likely increase to critical levels. Our long-term forecast indicates warmer than normal temperatures will stick around for Wednesday through the first seven days of next month in Nebraska and Kansas, and also pretty much most of the western U.S., Chances remain good to stay in the field for Nebraska and Kansas with below normal precipitation the late half of next week. Near normal precipitation is predicted by next weekend through the 7th of May. A nice increase in soil temperatures at the 4-inch depth and at 7 this morning. 
along and south of I-80 from North Platte to Omaha into all of Kansas. Soil temperatures at 50 to the low 50s. If you're along and northwest of a line from Norfolk to Ord and Ogallala, the soil temperatures in the mid to upper 40s. Key weather factors in the market include brief delays in field work for the Midwest the next five days and better rain chances for Europe and the Black Sea region. A, progress, a procession of fast-moving systems will maintain periods of rainy weather in the next several days across large sections of the country. The heaviest rain should fall from the Mid-South into the Northeast U.S., resulting in field work delays and causing some localized flooding in the northern Mississippi Delta and the southern and eastern Corn Belt. The western Midwest will have lighter rain and a better chance to stay in the field. The entire Midwest will be drier with near to above normal temperatures about 6 to 10 days from now. In the northern plains, near to above normal temperatures and only scattered rain the next seven days should allow field work to progress. Also something to watch, additional progress of the much-delayed corn harvest in the northern plains. A southern plains milder trend will be favorable for winter wheat, where damage from the mid-April freeze is still being evaluated. Moderate rain the past week in the southern plains is favoring the soil moisture just ahead of some drier weather. Central and northern Europe crop areas now expect a higher chance for rain the next seven days. Important moisture for their wheat areas that will be closely watched in the Black Sea region of central Russia. Moderate rain over the next seven days is expected. Other parts of Ukraine and Russia with light to moderate rain where wheat developing is, wheat is developing earlier than usual and is in definite need of some moisture. Well, uh, we are getting a little bit of moisture right now, but, uh, boy, it looks like next week we can't expect any of that, huh? Exactly. Uh, warmer and drier definitely on the way, especially starting up on Sunday. Pretty much all of next week into Thursday. It looks like those rain chances may start to improve by late next week, but a good window of opportunity to get in the field coming up next week. Absolutely, and that's good news. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. It's time again this week that we get to visit with our Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist, Al Dutcher. And Al, a pretty darn nice week. Definitely felt like spring, got some consistency with those warm days this past week. However, towards the end of the week, uh, seeing rain across much of the region, what can we expect headed into our weekend and next week? Well, Shaley, it's kind of funny that uh, less than a week ago, or a little bit about a week ago, we were sitting here looking at snow finally trying to completely melt off, and within a couple of days we were in the 70s, and we have not looked back. We've actually seen our lows starting to come up, and here, you know, here in Lincoln, lows up in the 50s a couple of days, consecutive in a row, things are really starting to take off to some extent, but precipitation-wise, there hasn't been a lot of it, and that's led to some good field operations going on, although now some areas of central and western Nebraska are just getting ready to roll. We really haven't had a significant amount of delays in terms of moisture across a substantial portion of the western corn belt, and there's been, I expect to see some big jumps in planted acreage, and by all means, the system that's working through right now, although it has produced some moderate rainfall, quarter to a half inch in the pan, central portions of the panhandle, I haven't really seen any significant totals from the any rain network this morning outside of maybe a quarter to a third of an inch in portions of west central Nebraska, most areas less than two-tenths of an inch. But that system moving through today is expected to generate scattered showers and moosey. It's got to overcome a lot of dry air, but at least we are starting to see some returns coming down to the ground and surface, at least in the Grand Island, New York area. And as that moves east, it's going to start to deepen that trough. 
and that'll allow more of a northwest flow on our region as we go into the weekend. So these next couple of days will be pretty much seasonable with the cloud cover and then the cooler air moving in as we go into tomorrow. But more importantly, as we go into this weekend, we will see some energy rotating around the back side of that trough, and that may be more impactful for eastern Nebraska with some scattered showers, primarily during the late afternoon overnight hours. As that happens, we will see more of that warmth starting to build in western Nebraska. And by the time we get into the day on Monday, we will be looking more of a zonal-type flow to a slight northwest flow as that system in the east starts to lift out into the northeastern United States. So most of the major heavy precipitation over this next couple of days is going to lie from Illinois eastward, and we could see some pretty significant moisture at that. So plenty of issues will be a problem from them. By the time we get into Tuesday, we will start to see that ridge firmly take control into our region, and we will see temperatures back up into the 70s and 80s widespread across the state with little in the way of any significant moisture. And that ridge will continue to build eastward as the week progresses. We will start to see a troughing pattern start to develop in the western United States. And as that troughing pattern develops, we should start to see an increase in relative humidity levels later in next week. And I would be more concerned with uh, the potential as we get into late next weekend for us to start getting into a wetter pattern. And in fact, the GFS models hinted at that first full weekend of May as being the potential to see some activity in this region, giving us some scattered thunderstorm activity. And after that, we go back into a drier pattern temporarily before we see more energy moving in. So over these next two weeks, it looks very promising for getting a lot of acreage planted within the state. There's minimal chances for widespread precipitation. Temperature should average normal to well above normal throughout the period. And I expect that we will be well over 50% planted before we even get to the first weekend of May across a substantial portion of the state. Thanks, Al. Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Governor Pete Ricketts and State Chief Medical Officer Dr. Gary Antone both stressed on Thursday that the state's healthcare system is not overwhelmed with COVID-19 patients. Dr. Antone said a number of COVID-19 patients at CHI Health St. Francis in Grand Island have been transferred to other CHI health hospitals in Lincoln and Omaha for further care. He added that five COVID-19 patients from Lexington Regional Health Center were transferred to Great Plains Health in North Platte on Wednesday, and about three patients were transferred to CHI Health Good Samaritan in Kearney on Monday. And those hospitals are doing fine. We have ground transport and air transport available for Lexington, should that be necessary. Dr. Antone says he's in regular contact with chief medical and chief executive officers of both hospitals in Lexington and Grand Island. Brenna Bartoff, the Lexington Regional's Director of Marketing, says medical providers have had a total of 20 COVID-19 patients through their facility from April 11th through April 22nd. That includes transfers, admissions, and emergency room visits. Nebraska state health officials have reported two new COVID-19 deaths, bringing the state's total death count from the disease to 47 since the outbreak began. The state also said two counties in rural central Nebraska, Greeley and Sherman counties, had reported their first confirmed cases of the virus on Thursday. Officials say of the two new deaths reported on Thursday, one was a man in his 60s in Hall County, and officials gave no details about where the second death occurred, saying more information would be released later. 
Nebraska's online coronavirus tracking portal showed 2,124 confirmed cases in the state as of Friday morning. New estimates from economists Ernie Goss and Scott Strain show that Nebraska has so far lost more than $834 million in economic activity as a result of COVID-19. The figures published in a new Platt Institute report, The Economic Impact of COVID-19 on Nebraska's Economy, Second Cut, are based only on data through April 4th. Goss says in a survey of rural bank CEOs in 10 Midwest states in January, there was optimism about the rural economy. But events since then have changed that. Uh, we got USMCA, this trade agreement with uh, Canada and Mexico. That was signed. Then we had the phase one of China uh, a, a trade agreement. Then we thought 2020 was going to look very uh, much better for farming. Not so right now. We're seeing the ag sector being hit being hit significantly. Look at beef prices. Look at pork prices. The Platt Institute says total losses are expected to keep climbing and it will continue to release updated figures and new data becomes available. Finally, officials at Nebraska's Youth Rehabilitation and Treatment Center in Kearney say they've seen no new coronavirus cases since a small outbreak earlier this month. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. Traveling the Cornhusker State, one small town at a time. I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network, and I'm joined on the phone by Cody Spurl to learn all about Cody's adventurous travels of Nebraska towns. Cody, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Alex. Your Facebook page, as I kind of mentioned, is called Cody's Adventurous Travels of Nebraska Towns. Tell us how this even got started and, and really what it is. Yes, so how it got started, Alex, I would say about maybe about three years ago, I was actually back home at my parents' house in Stanton, Nebraska, which is in northeast Nebraska. And me and my brother were actually at home for the Christmas holiday, and we were just kind of talking and stuff. And my brother's actually the one that, that actually brought it up. He just said, you know, it'd be kind of cool to travel around Nebraska and visit every town. And I thought it'd be really interesting myself. And then... It didn't really hit me maybe that week, but then like maybe the following week after that, I said to myself, I want to give this a try. And that's really a big reason why I did that. And then, I mean, another big reason, too, is during the, those times when I went back home, it, it was a tough situation. I mean, I had a, a father who was very ill, and unfortunately, he did pass away the following year. So doing this travel thing around Nebraska, yes. I love it for the history of Nebraska towns and the sightseeing, but some of it, honestly, was some of the stress, you know, to get away from things going on in my life. But uh, again, a lot of it was my brother who brought it up. I really want to thank him, and I'm going to continue doing my travels. Absolutely. And how many towns have you visited so far? Yes. So I write every single town in my little personal notebook. And in my notebook right now, I have 392 communities. And off the top of your head, do you know how many towns are in Nebraska? I've been asked this before. I'm not exactly sure on the exact amount, but I'm I'm guessing it's approximately about 520 or 530 something. That's for your incorporated community. So unincorporated, I, I don't know. But you're incorporated. I think it's about 520 or 530 uh, communities. Tell me about some of the most memorable places that you visited. 
Yeah. I'll go with memorable and maybe I could say favorite town, even though there's a lot of towns I like. I'm going to go with the town of Superior. So Superior is located in southern Nebraska in the Republican River Valley. It is only one mile from the Kansas border. I knew what the town was going to have. It's got a lot of old Victorian homes. It's the Victorian capital of Nebraska. I knew that, but I've never seen it in person. And I've seen things on websites, but sometimes seen in person, you know, different than seen it on a website. And when I drove out to Superior, this would have been March of last year, actually April of last year, almost a year ago. And I was just stunned at how beautiful these homes are. Because um, first of all, Superior is not a very big town. It only has about 2,000 people, but these homes in town, there's got to be, gosh, a dozen, at least a dozen of these old Victorian homes, and they go all the way back to, like, 1878, 1879. They're beautiful, beautiful porches, beautiful balconies, decks. It's got the circle wraparound porch, but it's not just that. When you have some of these homes that are so old, sometimes maybe people start to kind of take care of them, but the town of Superior did such a good job in preserving these homes. They're kept so nice. The lawns are mowed. The houses are kept nice. And I was just impressed with that town. And again, I'll have to say that's probably my favorite town or in the top of one of my favorite towns is Superior, Nebraska. How do you decide where to go and which towns to visit? You know, do you have a route? Are you how do you, how do you do that? I guess how I do it, I just pick a certain region. So, for instance, in May, I was actually going to do a trip in May. Unfortunately, I can't because of what's going on. So, in May, I was going to do the Broken Bow area. But kind of how I do my pre-traveling, I pick a certain region of the state, and then yeah, I will kind of write all these towns down, but not just the towns necessarily, you know, historical sites maybe out in the country, and then I will write it in my personal notebook, and then, yeah, I do my traveling out there, and I do my photos, and then, like I said, when I get back home, I will upload all my photos to my computer and post them on my website. Well, last year, I went to the COZAD, Gothenburg area, last year in May, so I did my pictures around those towns, and then I also went to the Kansas border, down to the Harlan County Reservoir, and to the towns of Elma, Republican City, and Orleans. So kind of to the south of the Lexington area. But that's how I do my travels. I, I just pick a certain a geographic area, and I do the towns and historical sites and museums in that area. And remind us, what's the best way to follow along as you're traveling to these different towns? Absolutely. If you want to travel with me, all you have to do is go on Facebook and you can just type Cody's Adventurous Travels of Nebraska Town. And if you have any questions about it, you can certainly go on the website and you can send me a message on Facebook Messenger. All right. Well, thank you so much, Cody, for joining us and telling us about your story. We've been visiting with Cody Spurl. He's the creator of Cody's Adventurous Travels of Nebraska Towns. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. 
With the Business Report, I'm Bob Rogan. Stocks have been holding steady and trading on Wall Street as the market wraps up a tumultuous week, with the major indexes all slightly higher. The bond market was quiet while crude prices climbed again. The calm opening to trading in U.S. markets belies what's been a wild week. From Monday's astonishing plummet for the oil market to yesterday's sudden disappearance of a morning rally, Markets pinballed as the mood swung from fear to hope and back again amid the coronavirus pandemic. Factory orders plunged 14.4% in March, the second biggest decline on record. The worse-than-expected slide underscores the severe economic impact of the coronavirus pandemic. Today's Commerce Department report shows weakness across the board with demand for transportation products falling 41%. President Donald Trump will hold a signing ceremony today for a bill providing a nearly $500 billion infusion of coronavirus spending. It's aimed at rushing new relief to employers and hospitals buckling under the strain of a pandemic that's claimed almost 50,000 American lives and one in six U.S. jobs. Congress approved the spending almost unanimously on Thursday. House lawmakers gathered in Washington for the first time since March 27th adopting stricter social distancing rules while aiming to prove they can do their work despite the COVID-19 crisis. One out of every four American adults say that someone in their household has lost a job to the coronavirus pandemic, but the vast majority expect those former jobs will return once the crisis passes. That's according to a new poll from the Associated Press NORC Center for Public Affairs Research. Among those whose households have experienced a layoff, about 8 in 10 believe those former jobs will definitely or probably return. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Winter wheat continues to grow and spring wheat is looking to go in the field. Join us every Wednesday at 417 for the Plansky Pure Winter Wheat Wednesday. We'll find out from the folks at Plansky Seed how the wheat crop is doing as we go from Texas all the way to Nebraska to check in with the weekly growth of the crop. With this year's winter wheat tour canceled due to COVID-19, it's a way to keep you up to date on how the crop for winter wheat is maturing. That's 417 Wednesdays on KRVN. The focus right now is planting. But have you thought about your pastures? Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Speaking with Abe Smith of Corteva AgriScience, we look at what we need to do right now to bring us profitability to our pastures in the months to come. Well, you actually touch on something that's really, really critical. What are we seeing out there? And so my number one recommendation to anyone who's got a pasture or any sort of weed history, of go out and look at the pasture. There's a lot of things we can assume that's out there, but there's nothing that can beat actually going out and either getting on the ATV or taking the truck and actually walking out in that pasture a little bit making sure we identify the real issues that may be in those problems. Sometimes uh, on the eastern side of the state, we may have a lack of nitrogen or lack of fertilizer. A little bit of fertilizer might perk some things up. Uh, But more than anything is just basic weed identification and assessing the condition of your pasture correctly and being honest with yourself as a producer of, is this where we need to be at? Why is it? Why are the pastures in the shape that they're in? Good, bad, or indifferent? And what can I do to improve the overall condition, either by asking questions, seeking advice, or uh, educating yourself in a variety of ways? 
Well, we know that the pastures are such a vital part of the growth of our livestock. It doesn't matter if you've got cattle, sheep, goats, whatever you're out there grazing. If your pastures are bad, your output's going to be bad. Yeah, and when your output's bad, it seems like it's a, a steep hill to climb to change. And we need to remember that herbicides uh, oftentimes can help help change the, the motion of that pasture, the direction it's going. But I always talk to producers that herbicides end up being a catalyst for change. We can help correct pastures when producers make good grazing management decisions in relation to that pasture. Herbicides can help accelerate that or jumpstart that shift if they have pasture that's in ill repair, but they're not going to just fix the, those pastures in one fell swoop. So it's a, it ends up being a commitment and making a decision just like if you're eating um, bad food and you're unhealthy and you don't have a good diet, the way you change that is one day at a time, one meal at a time, and the same thing's true for pastures. We don't fix them overnight. But by making good decisions long-term, which may include herbicides or may include grazing management decisions or rotational grazing or fertility or other ways to manage that pasture, it all adds up to a good long-term solution. Well, let's talk about that rotational grazing because if we aren't doing it correctly, we could be actually killing our pastures. Very much so. Uh, Generally speaking, I I tell producers there's a couple ways to think about it, and I don't care what your grazing management philosophy is, as long as you have one. There's a lot of producers that may not have a solid grazing management philosophy out there. So if you're a a savory system grazer that's a real high-impact grazer, that's that's great. Make sure you're abiding by the mode and method and and commit to that and live with that with a high-intensity rotation or if you're more of a mindset which is more common maybe in nebraska of uh, just a true rotational grazing management practice where you take half leave half Um, if you got six inch tall grass you need to move those cows out when you have three inches of grass or three inches of grass remaining there the reason that's so important is because it impacts the ability of that grass to reproduce that's abe smith i'm susan littlefield the world radio network Welcome back here to the Rural Radio Network. We're going to take a look at the closing grain features with John Payne. I'm Susan Littlefield. Uh, Senior marketing analyst John is with the Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Will we wrap up a a crazy kind of marketing week, John? What are we going to look at on these numbers? I don't know. I mean, it's it's been a pretty rough stretch for for, uh, Chicago Board of Trade news. You know, whether it be ethanol, uh, currencies, um, Brazilian farmers making money and continuing to increase production. It, it really stacking up. And it's, you know, I look at what advantages the U.S. farmer has right now and what advantages everybody else on the other side of the globe have. And it just, it's, it's a route on one side here. So prices will certainly reflect that. I think next week will be maybe the possibility for a bottom. You know, once we get to first notice day and that May delivery makes makes a low or, you know, would hang around here. I think the market for July will probably rally a little bit, but we got to get something here to, to change, probably most likely in the currency markets. And that's, uh, we're not seeing that. The Brazilian uh, rei fell to a record low this morning versus the U.S. dollar. And that's just creating uphill winds for, for any U.S. product right now. 
Well, I know the last 24 hours have been tough, especially with the announcement of a company like ADM talking about Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and Columbus, Nebraska doing some idling. Not boding well, not only for the for the grain side, but what we're seeing on the livestock when they use those byproducts. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you'll see you'll see a, a, a you know a move the other way. I think the CO2 market and certainly DDGs, you know, will be up for a while, um, but they'll ration away from that with some other type of feed. I think the problem we have here with ADM and, and the companies, they you know they're essentially a big buyer of product and they hold product and they you know they operate as a food chain, part of the food chain, just not just for creating ethanol, but um, you know for other markets as well and. It's just you know you shake your head and kind of think where where can where can it turn where can it turn and and you know it has to probably turn on weather I think that's the first thing but you know maybe this thing hits Brazil and they would shut down their export markets different things could could certainly surprise us this summer so I think you got to be you know set for that I I'm, I'm certainly not telling you anything the market doesn't know at this point but um, you know the next week is going to provide you some opportunity to buy in your last week's low and I think you'd be ready. Are we going to continue, though, to have that weak demand kind of hanging over this trade? Yeah, yeah, for now, anyway, until we start to get some states open again and, you know, the rest of the globe gets moving. I think that's that's essentially where we're going to be. And, you know, when rent is due, deliveries when rent is due, that's when this comes to a head. So I would expect a, a rough week of corn and soybeans this week. All right, thanks so much. Joining us again today is John Payne with Daniels Ag Marketing. You can learn more by going to danielsagmarketing.com. Listening to the Rural Radio Network. And that'll do it for today's Midday Program here on KRVN. To hear today's Midday Program in podcast form, go to krvn.com or check it out on Spotify or iTunes. Our Midday Podcast is brought to you by Devenny Motor. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Devenny Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DevenyChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Devenny deal.